0: Hello, and welcome to PodRocket. Today, I'm here with Ravi Parikh, who's the founder of Airplane, and he previously was a co-founder of Heap Analytics. How are you, Ravi? I'm doing really well. Thank you so much for having me on. Yeah, really excited to have you. Um, As a fellow founder in the product analytics space, um, we're we're big fans of Heap here at LogRocket, and we're also a Heap user as well. And um, so really excited to have you on and hear about your latest company. So
1: uh, Could you give us an overview of what what is Airplane? Yeah, for sure. So so Airplane is um, we're a pretty new startup. We're just eleven people. We got started about a year and a half ago, um, and really we built the company to solve one of the biggest problems that I used to run into during my time at Heap. And so at a high level, what Airplane is, Airplane is it's a developer platform for quickly building internal tools and automating internal workflows and processes and things like that. So um, what it what what it really lets you do is if you're an engineer and you find yourself constantly running the same SQL query over and over again, or the same script or on-call runbook or something like that. The idea behind Airplane is we want to make it really easy to take that one-off script or query or whatever edge-only operation that you're kind of bottlenecked on uh, and turn that into a robust, reusable internal app that anybody in your company can use uh, and we do that by basically automatically providing UIs, notifications, permissions, approval flows, audit logs, all the stuff that it takes to turn a piece of backend functionality into a reusable internal app. So that's the high level idea. I'm happy to dive into detail if you're curious.
0: Yeah, definitely. So I guess I could give you an example. You know, Here at LogRocket, one of the things that I think will be relevant here is we often have uh, scripts that modify or edit data in Stripe related to billing, like need to refund this customer payment or something like that. The way we do that right now is we have Slack commands that our engineering team builds these Slack commands that folks on our support team can run when they're dealing with customer issues. So what would it look like if we want to take one of those Slack commands or one of those scripts and run it in Airplane?
1: Yeah, so, so what you're describing is a, is a very common use case for our product so, uh, and, and something that we used to do at, at Heap as well. We had Slack commands for billing type things. We had Slack commands for uh, various types of data deletion type things, you know, GDPR operations, all kinds of stuff. Um, and really what, what would happen is, let's say you have that script that hits a Stripe API and issues a refund or, or whatever it is. What you would do is you deploy it to our system. We integrate with your CI CD. Um, so that you, as a developer, don't actually have to do much marginal work on top of just writing that script in the first place. You add like a, a short YAML that kind of describes how that uh, operation is supposed to run. Quick five-line thing that tells Airplane how this thing is supposed to work, uh, and then when uh, and then you sort of deploy it to our system. And then what we'll bas- what we'll basically do is we'll auto generate a web app that's basically like a form that represents that uh, script. Uh, takes in a certain set of parameters. You can specify things like input validation rules. You can specify uh, permissions. You can specify approval logic. You know, if it's a sensitive operation that you want to have a second person check off before it actually runs, you can do that sort of thing. If it's a long running operation, we'll have things like notifications and and things like that embedded into it already. Um, And so basically it's all that stuff is kind of provided for you out of the box with very minimal one to two minutes of configuration. So uh, it, it provides you a higher level of safety and granularity than, than your Slack commands probably do by default. Um, it integrates your identity provider all, that, provider, all that kind of stuff. And also, if you love Slack commands, we integrate directly with Slack, so you actually trigger any airplane task directly from Slack. Got it. So a couple of questions there. I'm curious first, when I deploy code to Airplane, yeah. what kind of environment is it running in? Yeah, so you have some flexibility over that. By default, we have a multi-tenant setup. And so what we'll do is like, let's say, I'll take a quick example. Let's say you have a Python script that's going to hit the Stripe API and do some billing operation or something like that. Uh, When you run Airplane Deploy, we're going to look for the requirements.txt file in your repository. We're going to basically make sure that we're including every relevant package that's required to sort of execute that code. We'll archive up that script plus anything around it that's required to run that script uh, and then bundle that all up upload it to our servers by default. You can also self-host. Uh, but either way, when someone hits execute into Airplane UI, um, basically that agent is kind of long polling and and waiting for that execution command to happen. We'll pass in whatever parameters someone has entered into Airplane. Uh, and then we'll basically just run that script in a Docker container. Uh, and so you don't have to really worry about the infrastructure management. Even if you're self-hosting it, the self-hosted agent is pretty easy to set up. Um, and so, yeah.
0: Got it. So it's it's kind of like Heroku in that sense where I'm not worrying about things as a low level as a docker file but more just requirements.txt what what python libraries do I need for this script to run
1: right and we have we have like a a builder for for python for node for shell um, but you can also like we, we give you that flexibility if you want to get down to the, the level of granularity of like worrying about that docker file you can do that too
0: and what about things like um, environment variables in terms of like API keys? Because I imagine yeah. often you're going to be running data against a production, uh, running scripts against a production database right. or production Stripe. So what's the, how do you handle storing
1: you know, sensitive tokens or API yeah. keys? Yeah. So so basically, what we do right now is there's just like a key value store uh, in in our product. So you could go in and enter some Stripe API key or some database credentials or something like that. Um, if it's secret, you can mark it as secret in our UI, which means it just won't show up to the end user. It is stored on our servers, but everything is encrypted in transit, encrypted at rest, we're SOC2 compliant. Uh, and then when you're basically building a script in Airplane, you can configure which which environment variables you want to have passed in, that sort of thing. Uh, we will sort of in the future have direct integrations with things like Vault or Doppler and stuff like that to make it a little bit more secure, but uh, that's kind of how it works right now.
0: Got it. And I'm curious to learn a bit more about the types of UIs you can build to interact with a script that you launch. So, you mentioned that some UIs automatically generated. Is yeah. is that based on code you write, or is that based on configuration of the YAML, or what is the process for defining the the form or the UI that is yeah. input to the script?
1: It, it's kind of the latter. So basically, um, everything in Airplane is like a uh, it like a, just a function that takes in a certain set of parameters. You tell us what those parameters are. If you say this is a uh, refund user script for, for Stripe, you might say this is the email address of the user that we want to refund and this is their transaction ID or something like that. And these are both strings and here's maybe some input like regex that they have to match in order for this to be considered valid. Um, we have some pretty flexible, like a lot of flexibility in terms of input types. You can do files, date pickers, all that kind of stuff. Um, but everything really manifests as kind of like a, a web form. Uh, like it, it's we, we try to keep it really simple. Air, airplane is not like a UI builder tool. We don't want you to drag and drop a bunch of UI elements around the screen and have a lot of control that way. The idea is for you to really just concentrate on the logic of the operation, uh, and 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 we'll sort of auto generate the rest.
0: And what about output? Like are there can your, if your script outputs can you output a graph or a chart or things right. like that or mostly text based now.
1: Uh, it's it's pretty simple right now so basically um, we have uh, kind of two output streams that happen when you when you run a script so there's just like the typical standard out output that's like more there for like debugging purposes if you're a developer but then there's also kind of what we call named outputs where um, you can say like hey uh, when we run this refund script we want to show something to the user that says that this was a successful refund or something like that so you can just pass a JSON object in we'll kind of Display it as a table or or a static text or something like that. There's not really, we don't really have graphing capabilities, things like that. We are going to add richer outputs over time, but it's pretty simple right now.
0: Can is there a construct for a script that requires a few back-and-forth interactions? Like for example, you know, show me a list of recent failed payments in Stripe and press a button to retry each one. And it's so
1: kind of like the script is interacting with the user. Right. Yeah. So so basically like what I've been describing so far is kind of the base level concept of, of airplane, which we call a task, which is kind of like a single function. Essentially, it does takes in a set of outputs, uh, set of inputs and then has a set of outputs. The sort of like construct you can build on top of that is something that we released a, a, a couple months ago, which is called runbooks. Uh, and a runbook basically lets you chain multiple tasks together. And so you have quite a bit of flexibility in how data is passed from one one step to another. You can do things like have it pause and ask for additional input. So exactly what you're describing run some sort of like query that does a read essentially and shows a list of transactions let the user choose one of them pass it into the refund uh, step or something like that is is a very canonical use case for for runbooks
0: guy and that kind of reminds me of, of Zapier Zapier I never know how to pronounce it yeah. so i'm curious like is that something you took inspiration from and kind of compare and contrast maybe the 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 way Zapier works things you can do in
1: Zapier versus how you're building Airplane Definitely, yeah. So sometimes I describe uh, Airplane as Zapier, Zapier, like build your own Zapier, almost. Like Zapier is stitching together third-party APIs. It's you know, it's saying uh, take this data out of Salesforce and put it into Google Sheets or something like that. Our thing is in in some sense stitching together first-party APIs. Like obviously Stripe is a third-party uh, operation, but it's sort of letting you take those kinds of things and, and stitch them with like your production data and stuff like that as well. So if you wanted to do something like Uh, A data deletion runbook where what you're doing is first it's going to hit a production database and delete some data, then it's going to hit the intercom API and unsubscribe them from future emails, and then it's going to send an email to the user saying your data has been deleted. Like Each of those steps, some of them hit third parties, some of them hit first parties. You as a developer want to have some control over how the code is executed in each of those steps. That's kind of the the intent of, of what we're doing.
0: Got it. Yeah. And I, th- I think Zapier, like you can't, they do have zaps that let you run some JavaScript or some Python, but it seems like they haven't really invested in the whole developer experience around that in terms yeah. of like, maybe I'm wrong, but last I checked, I don't think you can kind of do CICD integration or have code being pulled right. out of from GitHub, or I don't know what their testing story is. So
1: Yeah, I think the main difference there is like... Um, Zapier and there's other tools out there that you let, let you integrate like Python or JavaScript into like some sort of like workflow type thing. It's usually executing kind of in their environment. Um, so, so the idea of basically integrating into your, into your code base and, and, and like looking at requirements like txt file and bundling up a bunch of other stuff uh, that's, is, is not really a thing you can do there. It's, it's going to be kind of hard from my understanding at least to write code in Zapier that's going to hit your production database, for example. Um, you can always have it hit like a REST endpoint that you've you've built and exposed to the public internet uh, through Zapier. But if something is like not a REST endpoint, essentially, like if something's just a script that you want to run one off as a step, you're not going to really be able to do that, I think, super effectively. From from my understanding, I don't want to mischaracterize what your tool can do.
0: Yeah, I think that that's that been our understanding as well, though I to haven't looked at that functionality in maybe a year or two. But in the past, that was kind of the limitation I've seen as well. Um, I'm curious, you mentioned before the concept of like approval logic, it sounds like there's a permission role-based access control type system that you can define on a per script basis. So curious to understand
1: a bit more about that. Yeah. So this is a big part of why people use airplane. Um, and so basically on any task that you build an airplane, you can basically, uh, well, even before you get to the task part, you can be able to integrate with your identity provider, will import groups and, and things like that. And so let's say you have, to take a simple example, you have an engineering group and you have a operations group and you need to give the operations group access to some delete user script. Let's say that delete user script is irreversible. It's fairly sensitive, uh, not something you want someone to just hit a button and and poof, the data's gone. So what you can do is you can basically like um, set that the operations group to have approver access on that script. And so when they go to delete a user, they won't actually be able to click execute. What they'll do is instead click a button that says request, they'll have to provide a reason, they'll have to pick a reviewer from a list of people who are in a executor permission group or higher. And then one of those people will get a Slack notification which says, hey, someone's trying to run this, data deletion task with user XYZ. Would you like to approve it or deny it? They just hit a button in Slack and then boom, that sort of either happens or doesn't. Uh, And and the advantage of this is like with really just a couple clicks, 30 seconds of work, you can impose this uh, approval flow that'll be fairly complicated to build if you build it in-house or in a third party service or something like that. And the nice thing about this is you get to sort of balance access and safety. uh, often, what I've seen in a lot of companies, or what I saw at Heap, my previous company, was like you have a lot of these really sensitive operations, and the reason that people don't have self-serve access to them on their teams is really just this idea that like oh, you know, they might not understand the consequences of running this thing, or you know, we don't like, give government right access to these internal systems. Approval flows let you basically have your cake and eat it too, like give everybody access, but in a way that's very constrained.
0: Yeah, makes sense. And you mentioned before as well, um, self-hosting. Yeah, I'm curious. Like, what is it? What's the process to self-host an airplane instance, and um, what reasons do you generally see customers choosing to to offer self-hosted versus the SaaS version?
1: Yeah, so it's not a fully self-hosted product. It's it's hybrid. So what, what I mean by that is like the the control plane that where where the sort of execution happens lives in our cloud, no matter what. But you can self-host where the script actually gets executed. So um, you can basically say. Uh, when like the the sort of airplane UI will always be kind of on our servers, but when someone clicks execute, um, instead you can have like an agent that lives behind your VPC, long polling, waiting for that execution to happen, run locally. We won't actually see that execution. And then whatever outputs and logs get emitted from from that script will get sent back over the wire to us. They are encrypted in transit, encrypted at rest. We may bring logs on-prem as well in the future. We haven't really decided that, but we probably won't do a fully on-prem solution. But we think this balances kind of our ability to sort of provide a managed SaaS solution that you don't really think about while also giving you the sort of like control to say like, hey, all the sensitive stuff is going to happen behind our VPC and all that kind of stuff.
0: Got it. And I imagine from a from a cloud architecture perspective, if you know you have commands being run against a production database or, or something like that, it ma- it makes it easier to avoid breaking your existing security model.
1: Right. Yeah. And I would say like almost all of our customers above, you know, a 20, 30 person company are are self hosting. Uh, or using a self-hosted agent rather.
0: So curious to hear a bit about the the future. Um, you know, w- what does the next year or so look like in terms of um, features and parts of the platform that you're excited?
1: Yeah, so there's quite a bit that we're investing into. So I'd say first and foremost, we see Airplane as a developer tool. Um, it's not like a no-code solution or something like that. It's really intended for developers um, because we see one of the strengths of Airplane is the ability to kind of integrate directly with their code base, write against production data, all that kind of stuff. And as a result, a lot of what we're doing is making that developer experience better and better and better. And so, um, you know, I kind of described how Airplane works today. You you can write a Python script, you can put a YAML file next to it that'll describe what the task is. You can deploy it. Um, there's It's 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 okay, uh, to be totally frank, but it's it's we're going to take it from like something that's good to something that's like a big strength of the platform. So we want to make the deploy speed uh, really, really fast. So that iteration between you know, deploying something to Airplane, trying it out, making sure it works, going back and editing it is like really, really smooth. It's like kind of what you're used to from best-in-class developer experiences, Heroku vercel things like that. Um, other things that we want to do, like first-class support for things like environments and stuff like that. You see right now in someone's Airplane cap, they have like, you know, task name staging, task name prod, all that kind of stuff. So we want to make, make that sort of thing a lot easier. Um, we, we also want to have like uh, a lot more uh, sort of, uh, we're not trying to be Zapier, where we have like 500 integrations and things like that. That being said, like if we can have it so that you avoid having to write a, some boilerplate code, we do want to do that. So we do have, for example, direct integrations with like databases or REST and things like that. So you know you can write a Python script to hit a REST endpoint, but you can also just use a REST builder to, to do that more directly. And so we'll have more of those kinds of integrations with like uh, more data stores directly integrated with more patterns like you know GraphQL and things like that that we directly integrate with. And maybe a couple third-party things, like you mentioned Stripe, a lot of people do billing operations and stuff like that. So Stripe, Charging, maybe there's a couple things like that that we'll do. We're probably not gonna have a long tail of 500 integrations and things like that. Um, other big things we're working on are just like better richness in terms of the UI patterns that, that you're able to use in Airplane. So I mentioned everything in Airplane manifests as a web form. And then we have like really simple outputs with just like static text or, or tables and things like that. We do wanna have better support for things like graphs and stuff. Also like a lot of what people use airplane for are like scheduled operations they'll be like hey run this query every day and then like take the output of this SQL query that're running every day and spit it out in slack on a daily basis like maybe some daily report or something like that um, just better being able to give people some flexibility around how that's displayed and stuff like that it's minor but I think it does make a big deal to to what people can do with the tool um, and eventually like I think uh, you know airplane I think is really good for these like task- based workflows like, delete a user issue a refund or something like that but the more there's a lot of work that people do on operations and support teams that are more exploratory so it's like maybe some a user writes in a, a ticket and they're probably not saying refund me right away they're probably saying something like hey something's weird about my billing so probably what you have to do is like two or three or four read queries first before you actually then realize what you need to do is issue a refund or something like that and so those like exploratory read type uh, interactions I think, often are, are hard to model in Airplane because everything in Airplane is a very explicit, rigid kind of function. So we have some ideas for how to basically better execute those kinds of workflows in Airplane as well. Um, but through all of this, we, we really see Airplane as uh, both a developer tool and a tool that's not intended to make you like think very hard about how things should like look or feel or things like that. We're not trying to be an app builder or a silo or something like that in your org. We're trying to be, be something very simple. And so like we're not going to build like a full-fledged, Massive experience where you can like you know paint paint on a blank canvas whatever you want. We want to keep it very simple. Like the the strength of Airplane so far has been that the cognitive overhead and the time that it takes to create new stuff in Airplane is really really low, uh, and we want to preserve that sort of uh, mode for the for the future as we add more functionality. Got
0: it. Yeah. No. All exciting, and I think you've mostly answered this question already. But curious where you see yourselves in comparison to something like a retool. Um, I, I think the, the answer lies kind of in that they, um, you know, they have a lot of
1: around building UIs, but I'm curious to hear from you. Uh, kind yeah. Of, yeah, I, I think Retool is a great tool. Like, as you said, like a lot of its strength is in allowing you to build UIs and things like that. I think there's pros and cons to their approach. I think the pros are that you have a lot of flexibility and a lot of power. I think the cons are that for a lot of these internal workflows, you don't really need that flexibility or power. Like, it doesn't really matter where on the page a thing exactly displays if what you're really just trying to do is build a, you know, a, a simple workflow. I think like, um, I, I think like Retool is very sort of akin to something like a Webflow or a Dreamweaver or something like that. But like, the difference is things like Webflow and stuff like that are are allowing you to build experiences for like the the sort of general public. Whereas like with Retool or Airplane, you're building experiences for a, a small set of users who are like very highly engaged with the thing you're building because they're your teammates at your company who, who need to run various things. And so like getting the exact UI UX right is actually a lot less important than making it really easy to develop. Because making it easy to develop means you're going to do more things and you're going to the barrier to taking an end-only operation and turning it into something that people can use is, is far, far lower. So I think we err philosophically more on the side of just like having strong defaults and like automating away as many decisions as possible um, so that you're really only concentrating on the differentiated bespoke piece of logic that's specific to the operation. And so that's kind of philosophically the difference. I would say also mechanically, we've kind of focused on these more like right workflow type uh, operations rather than like these more Read UI heavy type operations, but even as we kind of converge onto some more of that stuff, um, I think we're we're going to have a different flavor of how we approach the problem.
0: Pivoting a bit, um, you previously, as I mentioned before, previously founded Heap Analytics, which is a successful company in the product analytics space. I'm curious when you set out to to start company number two, what did you do differently, or how did your learnings from that first uh, you know, entrepreneurial experience inform the early days of like figuring out what even you were going to build with airplane?
1: Yeah. Um, I, I think there was, uh, I mean, there's a lot we did the same to be honest, cause Heap was relatively successful, but in terms of things that we did differently, I would say like at, and some of this is just sort of a, a luxury of the position we're in an airplane too. But like at heap, I think we like pushed on monetization a lot faster and a lot earlier. Um, and so, uh, you know, initially Heap had like uh, a self-serve product with like a free tier and all that kind of stuff. But like, we quickly found that there was like pretty high willingness to pay with like mid-market enterprise customers. So we restructured our pricing around that really quickly. And I think that was, you know, it was generally a good move and, and I think it's, it's paid off well for the company, but, uh, you sort of lose that kind of organic bottoms up groundswell of adoption when you do that too early in the company's life cycle. Um, and it's not even just like, oh, we'll do it later. It's more that there's like. There are companies out there, like you know, Atlassian and stuff like that, that have found a way to sort of have pricing and packaging and a, and a go-to-market motion that appeals across the board. Right? They don't shut off their SMB to sort of satisfy their enterprise or whatever. Um, every company is a little bit different, but I think with Airplane, we really see this as a tool that we want individual developers to adopt. We see this as a tool that, like should be really, really lightweight and fast to get started with. And as a result is going to have like a high amount of value to a small startup. And so I think we want to be a lot more intentional about structuring our pricing our packaging or go to market to like allow small companies to use this tool forever um, and and not like squeeze every dollar out of of every market segment. And so I think that's something we've been more intentional about. I think we have the luxury of being really well funded, um, which he didn't always have in those early days so that we can be a little bit like you know, push off revenue generation for a little bit longer. So that, I think that's one big difference. Um, I would say like uh, another big difference is, you know, I, this is more just like the type of product that, that you know, I wanted to build, but like Heap was going into a fairly well established category already. Like in some sense, analytics is the oldest or one of the oldest SaaS categories out there, you know, Adobe Amateur, Google Analytics. Google Analytics actually predates Google. Like it's a company called Urchin that they acquired. Uh, so it's a really old category of of like you know SaaS software, and so we uh, were entering into a space where like we had a very clear innovation, a very clear value proposition, but like we weren't doing a lot of like market education in terms of like hey, here's like new ways to do things. Um, and so I think with Airplane, it's actually very different. Like you asked about how we compare to Retool, that's like one of twenty things we get compared to, which are not at all in the same category. People will compare us to like deck or Airflow or CI/CD systems or all kinds of things out there. Um, that uh, uh, like make make it on one hand a little bit annoying sometimes to have to have so many different types of conversations, but also make it really really exciting that we can build something that that like is a little bit amorphous, like it's a lot more creative. I think in terms of like what we decide to do, what we decide not to do, what we consider to be in scope and not. Uh, and I think that uncertainty and that ambiguity and that creativity and that like space is is really interesting for me.
0: You mentioned before that one of the initial inspirations was that at, at Heap. You had this problem of, you know, as I described before, like you had all these internal scripts, maybe made them as Slack commands, but that was part of the input to what gave you the idea for Airplane. How did you get conviction that that was a widespread problem or something that you know, there was enough
1: potential customers out there to build a business around? Yeah, for sure. So um, I, I started Airplane with my with a friend of mine named Josh, who was previously CTO of a company called Benchling, um, and. He was employee number one at Benchling. helped them scale to about 300 people uh, and, and they're still doing really well. Uh, and so when him and I were kind of like deciding to work together and talking about kind of various pain points we experienced, like he had had the same set of things happening at Benchling as we had had. He. So that was, you know, two data points at the very least. And towards the end of 2020, when we were still kind of in exploratory mode, we spent a lot of time just like talking to friends of ours at other companies, developers at other companies, uh, and just getting a sense of like, hey, how do you handle internal tooling? Like, is this a problem that resonates with you? Um, and we saw that at lots and lots and lots of companies that they were experiencing very similar things. And then we also saw that there was a couple like larger companies, um, companies like Stripe and Airbnb and, and Coinbase and stuff like that, where they had built systems that looked a little bit like how we were thinking about Airplane. Um, it was still really early at that point, but we we had some mocks and, and put together a deck and we're like, hey, would you use something like this? You're like, well, we do use something like this. We built it ourselves. Um, and so like that gave us some confidence that like, hey, it's like, the, the companies with like tons of resources have decided this is like a pattern that makes sense and people are using it really heavily within those companies. Um, and the smaller companies are struggling with this problem. And there's probably like some like SaaS solution to be built here that can, uh, you know, make a big impact.
0: I'm curious, how are you thinking about distribution? I know that when I when I talk to, to founders that and especially second time founders, it feels like something that is always like front and center. So I'm, I'm curious, you mentioned earlier that one of your core, uh, one of the core things you're optimizing for is for small companies, individual developers to always be able to use this.
1: How are you reaching those folks? Yeah, for sure. Um, so I I would say like the, the, the level answer is like still to be determined to some extent we're super early, but, um, like the, the way we see the, 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 uh, like the, the way we see airplane right now is, you know, we don't have the luxury that he had of being an established product category where there's already a ton of like high intent search volume for like people looking for exactly product analytics or something like that. So, you know, there's not like quite as easy of a strategy of just kind of drift off a of level of intent that already exists. But the thing that we do see is like a lot of people who are trying to solve the problems that airplane solves using like other tools that aren't necessarily adapted for it. So for, for, to give an example, um, a lot of people, uh, use Airplane as kind of like a lightweight substitute for Cron or Airflow. Like we don't pretend to be like a, a super sophisticated orchestration engine or something like, like Airflow, but like for a lot of the really simple stuff that people are doing with tools like Airflow, um, like Airplane's just gonna be easier to manage. It's gonna be easier to use and, and stuff like that. And so I think there's like an opportunity there to like find the people who are struggling with those things and write content for them, find the communities where they're hanging out, all that kind of stuff and say, hey, here's maybe like a, a, a way you can solve maybe like 70% of what you're trying to do uh, like the bottom 70% in terms of sophistication of what you're trying to do with Airflow uh, with something that's going to be managed and a lot, lot simpler to use. And there's a lot a lot of stuff like that. Um, there's a lot of people out there like trying to use CSED systems. Like one thing that Josh, co-founder actually built at his previous company was he he built a system using BuildKite to basically like run scripts internally. Um, and it works. It, it like gets a job done for that. But like it's fairly heavyweight. It's like, something that's really only engineers can still use, it's, it doesn't like fully solve that problem. And so like, that's another situation where people are like exhibiting a certain pattern that we can kind of find those people and say like, hey, here's maybe a better way to do things. So that's kind of how we're thinking about it conceptually. Um, and so I think there's like a strategy there with, with like writing content and, and finding those people that, that'll hopefully pay off. Well,
0: Ravi, thanks so much for joining us today. Um, We are going to put a link to Airplane's website, which is airplane.dev in the episode description for anyone who's interested. Um, Any other resources for folks who are interested in learning about the platform besides the website that you'd recommend?
1: Not really. I think the website is a good place to start. We have a demo video that's like three minutes long that does a good job of kind of showing how it works mechanically. Um, And then we have pretty thorough documentation and stuff like that that you can check out as well.
0: And are you growing the team now?
1: Yeah, so we're 11 total. uh, And we are hiring uh, in a number of positions. So looking for strong engineers, looking for designers, um, looking for uh, deployed engineers as well, people who can basically have strong engineering skills, but also want to be customer facing. Um, And even if you don't fit into any of those descriptions, like, always happy to chat. There's people who we chatted with six months ago, and now we're hiring for that role. And then we reached back out to them today. So um, always feel free to reach out. Um, You can just send me an email at ravi at airplane.dev if you're interested remote or uh, certain locations? Uh, kind of both, so we have people all over. We also happen to have like a small hub in New York um, where we have, uh, you know, I'm, I'm based here, but my co-founder is based in San Francisco. Um, we have folks in, in Canada, we have folks in uh, Singapore, kind of all over the world.
0: Awesome, well, it's been awesome learning about uh, Airplane and I'm excited, I think we're gonna check it out here at Log Rocket. so um, thanks again.
1: Awesome, thanks for having me on. Thanks for listening to PodRocket. Find us at PodRocketPod on Twitter, or you could always email me, even though that's not a popular option. It's Brian at LogRocket.